Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. What's up, guys? This is Sean, Lights Out Merriman, and Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at lightsoutxf.com, and we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to lightsoutxf.com. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that proudly flies the flag of history seven days a week. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about the story behind one of the most recognizable flags in the world, including how it almost became the only national flag to bear a semi-aquatic rodent, a claim to fame that's still up for grabs. Just saying. The day was February 15th, 1965. The red maple leaf flag was raised for the first time as the national flag of Canada. The public ceremony was held at Parliament Hill in Ottawa, the nation's capital. That morning, the former flag was lowered for the last time, and at the stroke of noon, the new one was raised. Thousands of Canadians attended the event, including Prime Minister Lester Pearson, who had championed the new flag cause himself the year before. He marked the occasion with a hopeful blessing, saying, quote, May the land over which this new flag flies remain united in freedom and justice, sensitive, tolerant, and compassionate towards all. Many different flags had flown above Canada since its founding, but the unofficial national flag used just prior to the maple leaf flag's adoption was known as the Canadian Red Ensign. If you've never seen it, 
It's a red flag with the UK's Union Jack symbol in the upper left corner, and the shield of the coat of arms of Canada to the right. The flag was a holdover from the late 1800s when the Union Jack was included as a symbol of Canada's allegiance to the Crown and its membership in the Commonwealth. By the turn of the 20th century, many Canadians felt the flag no longer represented them as a nation. The call for a new, uniquely Canadian flag grew as the years went by and reached its peak in the years following World War II. A 1958 poll found that 80% of the population favored replacing the red ensign with something that wouldn't get the country confused for the United Kingdom. By 1963, the demand for a new flag had grown big enough to become a party platform. In fact, Lester Pearson was elected Prime Minister that year partly because he had pledged to solve what he called the flag problem within two years of taking office. That campaign promise proved harder to keep than expected, as creating a national flag from scratch raised the question of how best to symbolize Canada and its values, and everyone had their own opinion on that. But Pearson was determined to see the task through, no matter how contentious things got along the way. He believed a new flag was vital to Canada's identity as an independent nation. The country's centennial celebrations were set to take place in 1967, and Pearson wanted them to take place beneath the new flag of a unified nation. He got the ball rolling in May of 1964 while speaking at a convention for the Royal Canadian Legion. In what proved to be a surprisingly controversial speech, the Prime Minister announced his intentions, saying, quote, I believe most sincerely that it is now time for Canadians to unfurl a flag that is truly distinctive and truly national in character, as Canadian as the maple leaf, which should be its dominant design, a flag easily identifiable as Canada's, a flag which cannot be mistaken for the emblem of any other country, a flag of the future which honors also the past, Canada's own and only Canada's. To show he was serious, Pearson actually recommended a specific design to members of Parliament that year. Created by artist and designer Alan Badeau, the so-called Pearson Pennant featured a sprig of three red maple leaves against a white background bordered by two blue stripes. The design wasn't popular with most members of Parliament, so instead they formed a committee and gave it six weeks to come up with a new recommendation for a national flag. The committee invited citizens to suggest their own ideas for the design, and it wound up receiving 3,541 submissions. The vast majority were variations on a handful of common themes. For example, more than 2,000 of the designs featured maple leaves. Other popular inclusions were the Union Jack, the Fleur-de-Lis, and a beaver all of which appeared in about 400 designs each. A select few even included all of the above in the same design. My personal favorite is the one with a beaver wearing a little mounty hat, but sadly, it didn't stand a chance. As you no doubt noticed, the maple leaf was a standout favorite, just as Pearson had anticipated. It was an obvious choice for a Canadian symbol, as it had been associated with the region for hundreds of years. The sap and wood of maple trees 
had been crucial to the survival of indigenous peoples and European settlers alike. In fact, in 1834, the mayor of Montreal declared the maple tree, quote, king of the forest and symbol of the Canadian people. Over a century later, that status hadn't changed. In the same 1958 poll I mentioned earlier, 60% of those who favored a new flag wanted the maple leaf to be on it. However, not everyone got behind the idea. Former Prime Minister John Diefenbaker lamented that a maple leaf flag would convey, quote, no indication of the existence of French and English Canada or the partnership of the races, no acknowledgement of history. Other detractors agreed, with some pointing out that sugar maple trees didn't grow west of the Ontario-Manitoba border and therefore could never be a truly national symbol. But the biggest complaint by far was that the maple leaf was kind of dull and didn't elicit strong feelings in most people one way or the other. According to Rick Archbold, author of A Flag for Canada, the maple leaf's inoffensive nature is exactly what made it so appealing. As he put it, quote, The real plus for the maple leaf was its very lack of an established personality and its innocence of mythic or commercial associations. At a time when fierce tribal and religious loyalties repeatedly threatened the survival of the young dominion, anyone could look at the maple leaf and see an unassuming, neutral symbol that posed no threat to his or her identity or interests. In the end, that safe choice won the day, but not before several weeks and 35 sessions of intense parliamentary debate. This period, known as the Great Flag Debate, saw a fierce battle between those who wanted to hold on to the symbols of Canada's colonial past, like the Union Jack, and those who wanted to move forward by adopting a new symbol, like a beaver and a mountie hat. By November of 1964, the committee had whittled the designs down to just three contenders. The Pearson pennant, put forward by the Prime Minister, a three-in-one design featuring a maple leaf, the Union Jack, and the fleur-de-lis, and a third design submitted by George Stanley, the Dean of Arts at the Royal Military College in Ontario. Stanley proposed a design featuring a single red maple leaf on a white background, bordered by two vertical red stripes. It was simple, yet bold and distinctive. Pearson tried one last-ditch effort to get his choice adopted, but in a decisive vote of 14-0, Parliament chose Stanley's single-leaf design instead. A month later, on January 28, 1965, the new maple leaf flag was made official by a proclamation from Queen Elizabeth II. She also declared February 15th as the date when the flag would be raised and recognized by all Canadians for the first time. Along the way, the stylized design of the maple leaf was slightly adjusted, changing from a 13-point maple leaf to a more generic 11-point leaf that's meant to represent any of the 10 species of maple trees native to Canada. This was done not only for aesthetic reasons, but to address the earlier concern that some species of maple trees only grow in certain parts of the country. One member of Parliament in particular is credited for his role in finally putting an end to the Great Flag Debate. His name was John Matheson, and his leadership helped achieve consensus within the new flag committee. He later perfectly summed up the lengthy, collaborative effort 
calling the national flag, quote, the handiwork of many loving hands, extended over a long period of Canada's history. Today, the flag is a symbol of the values that the country and its people stand for. Cooperation, courtesy, and equality. Long may it fly. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, I'd love to hear them. You can send them to us directly at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. What's up, guys? This is Sean Lights Out Merriment, and Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at LightsOutXF.com, and we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to LightsOutXF.com. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top ten for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is.